Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Alhamdulillah, since last Ramadan, over 4 million people have benefited from, listened to, and downloaded the Qalam Podcast. Tens of thousands of people have benefited from and learned from the various classes, intensives, and seminars that Qalam provides. And inshallah, this Ramadan will be providing even more beneficial content, lectures, and programming for people all around the world, free of any cost or charge to them. In order for us to keep doing this work, we need your support, we need your help, we need you to be our partners in this Sadaqah Jariyah. Please go to supportqalam.com. That's support, Q-A-L-A-M, supportqalam.com, and provide your most generous support. Millions of people all around the world are insha'Allah, bi'idnillah, going to benefit from all of this work, and this will be your sadaqah jariyah for the eternal life of the hereafter. We really appreciate having you as part of the Qalam team and supporting us in this work, this mission, this cause. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihin ladhin astafa. Khususan ala sayyidi rasuli wa khatimil anbiya wa ala alihi laskiya wa ashabihi laskiya amma ba'd. One of the most amazing realities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's power and ability is that he brings something so significant into existence from a place where we would expect it the least from. That we look at something and we think to ourselves, there's no way something will come out of this. Like this is a dead end. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Qudra, his power, his izza is such that he then opens up a door from nothing. And that door opens up and it opens up until you have something in front of you that you're just so baffled and just shocked at when looking at it because it makes no sense at all. Like, how did this happen? If you go back to the life of Rasulullah he was an orphan. Days after his birth, no woman was willing to lift him and take him home the women that were nursing, because they didn't expect anything here. This was a dead-end child. He was an orphan. And then Halima Sa'adiya picks up this child. And in that moment, her taqdeer changed. She went from being Halima Sa'adiya, who history may have not known or remembered. We don't know her friends' names. We don't know her siblings' names, if she had any. We don't know them. But she was remembered because she held Rasulullah she nursed Rasulullah She hugged him and loved him. You can just imagine the nights when the Prophet of Allah missed his mama. He ran to Halima Sa'adiyah and she embraced him and said, Baba, come lie down next to me. The responsibility she carried on behalf of the Ummah, giving love to Rasulullah is beyond what we can ever say with our words. And you'll see this throughout history, that the greatest people that have existed in reality came from a place where no one expected anything. One of these individuals is a great scholar who we will be peeking into his life today, inshallah. Regarding himself, he says that when I was young, and a shafi'i, قَالَ كُنْتُ يَتِيمًا فِي حِجْرِ أُمِّي 
that when I was young, I was an orphan in my mother's lap in her home. And she did not even have the ability to compensate the teacher who came to teach me. That's where my journey started. He began to study, and everyone that he studied with noticed that this kid was special. Great memory, phenomenal adab. The way he interacted with his teacher was special. The attention that he gave was extra. His face would shine when he was studying because of how interested he was with what his teachers had to say. Children his age would be running left and right and playing video games and goofing around on their phones and playing basketball and soccer. But Imam Shafi'i, from a young age, there are some people that Allah has created for khair and that's all they've done in their life. That's it. There's never been anything else. This is it. They, they, they were created for a task. They were like assassins of ilm. Assassins of khidmah. They just came, focused, fana. They went nuts this, in, in, a, in, in pure annihilation. They accomplished that task and when they left, they left such a big mark that today we sit here a thousand years later remembering this man for his great contributions. When he was young, When he was young, the subject that he was most inclined towards was poetry, history, uh, literature. These are things that he really enjoyed a lot. One day he was with one of his teachers and he was, um, he was traveling. And while they were together, he read a line of poetry in front of his teacher. He had so much memorized, so he read a line of poetry. So the narrator says, my father's scribe, who was also with us, when he heard Shafi'i read poetry, he took his whip and he gave him one. And then he said, Someone that has so much potential like you will lose all of his respect and lose his dignity if he spends his life doing poetry. This is for low people. Everyone does poetry. You have the ability to carry the ilm of this deen. And he nudges Imam Shafi'i. Then he asked Imam Shafi'i, this young kid, and you'll learn very soon that this conversation that's happening with Imam Shafi'i is not like, you know, when he's in his 30s or 40s. According to some narrations, he was under 13 years old when he's having this conversation. He's not even 13. And according to another one, he was under 23 years age. Aina anta anil fiqh? He said, so tell me, how much do you know of fiqh? Imam Shafi'i went silent. Fahazahu dhalika, and this had a big impact on Imam Shafi'i. He was touched by this whole conversation. Faqasada mujalasata Muslim, Muslim ibn Khalid al-Zanji. So there was a famous scholar of Makkah Mukarramah, Muslim ibn Khalid al-Zanji. Imam Shafi'i rahmatullahi alayhi then sat in his gatherings. And he began to learn from him. And he continued to learn from him until Imam Shafi'i rahmatullahi alayhi, he then traveled to Medina Munawwara. Qala al-Dhahabi wa'ana shafii qala ataytu malikan wa'ana ibn thalatha ashr. Imam Shafi'i says that I was 13 years old and I went to study with Imam Malik in Medina Munawwara. Imam Dhahabi then says that it's very possible he was 23 years old, not 13. Regardless, that's still a phenomenal age. 
whether you're 13 or 23 years old, you're sitting with the grand muhaddith of the world, alimu ahlil Madina, and he's studying hadith with him. And when he's studying hadith with him, he wanted to find a way to go and study with Imam Malik. Imam Malik was a very powerful figure, for those of you that are not familiar. He was, he had a strong personality. In Medina Munawwara, people couldn't look at him in the eye. He carried himself with such rob and honor and dignity. The way he would dress was very royal. And he would say that I am a servant of hadith, I will dress accordingly. When the Khalifas would come, the Abbasid Khalifas, they would come to meet Imam Malik. This is a really big deal. The Khalifa is coming to take advice and sitting respectfully in front of Imam Malik. When Imam Malik would talk, no one would have the courage to say a word. No student would speak out of line. There was a moment where people could talk, he would sit, they would line up, and one by one they would come and sit, say their few words, and go. There's a famous incident that a student from Andalus, Europe, he showed up in Medina Munawwara, and he got a little feisty with Imam Malik, started like having a back and forth. This, this, this qissa is attributed to Yahya bin Yahya al-Andalusi. And the fascinating thing is, this guy got kicked out of Imam Malik's majlis, because when he started getting lippy with Imam Malik, Imam Malik said, he stood in line, he came to the front. Imam Malik said, what's going on? He said, I want to study with you. Imam Malik said, well, it's simple. Come to the majlis. You don't need, to, this is a Q&A time. People come with their personal affairs. I'm kind of reading in between the lines here. He must have been like, I'm European. We get to do what we want to. And I will be treated with, with preferential treatment. And Imam Malik dismissed him. He said, get out of here, you're crazy, go. But he was persistent and he came back in line again. And there's a fascinating story there. The, the, how this story ends, by the way, Yahya bin Yahya al-Andalusi, he becomes one of Imam Malik's favorite students. Imam Malik fell in love with him. One day there was a petting zoo that came to Medina Munawwara. And all the students were looking at the elephants because elephants were not native to Medina. So Imam Malik stopped the dars and said to the students, go, go look at the elephants, go pet the elephants, go feed them, enjoy yourself. So they all went, Yahya refused to go. So Imam Malik asked him, oh Spaniard, why don't you go? So he says, I didn't travel all the way from Andalus to look at elephants, I came here to look at Imam Malik. And Imam Malik fell in love with him that day. And you know the Mu'atta that you pick up, if you ever heard of Imam Malik's Mu'atta, Imam Malik? This is Biriwayat Yahya bin Yahya al-Andalusi. This is all his narration. The Mu'atta that is studied throughout the Muslim world, that you will find in every bookshop, is actually from this student who came from Andalus to study with Imam Malik. So now Imam Shafi'i shows up in Medina. He's a young man. He wants in with Imam Malik. How does he do that? This is not a joke. How do you get in with Imam Malik? So he had a relative. He said to him, now why don't you put in a word for me? So he put in a word to Imam Malik. He said, Imam Malik, you're always looking for people to read hadith in your class while you're giving dars. You have a student next to you that's reading. How about I propose a young man who's very good with language. He won't make any mistakes when he reads the Arabic and when he conducts himself in class. Imam Malik said, go for it. Imam Shafi comes in and he just owns it. He reads phenomenally. The Arabic is flowing off his lips. When Imam Malik would tell him, what about that riwayah we read a few days ago? Imam Shafi would not have to reference his books. He would read it off by heart. So then Imam Malik asked him, how do you have it memorized? So he said to him, Shaykh, after reading the Mu'atta once with you, I've memorized the whole thing. He was one of the star pupils of Imam Malik. 
Later on, Imam Shafi then travels over to Iraq and he studies with one of Imam Abu Hanif students, Imam Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani. And they have a phenomenal relationship. What's interesting about this story is that you see that the four schools of thoughts that we always talk about, you know how we talk about the Malikis, Hanafis, Hanbalis, Shaf and Shafi'is, they're all intertwined. They're all intertwined like this. Imam, Mal Imam Shafi'i studies with Imam Malik, and then he studies with Imam Abu Hanifa's student. Imam Shafi'i and Imam Abu Hanifa never met in their lives. It's not possible. If anyone ever says to Imam Shafi'i and Imam Abu Hanifa had a conversation, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. Because Imam Shafi'i was born in 150 Hijri, that was the same year Abu Hanifa passed away. So it's impossible the two of them had ever interact interacted with one another. However, Imam Shafi'i, because he was junior, he studied with Imam Abu Hanifa's students, particularly Muhammad uh, ibn Hassan al-Shaybani. And they had a very rich uh, relationship. Imam, Imam Shafi'i then goes on to become the teacher of Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal. See how it's all coming together? He goes on to become his teacher. Imam Ahmad's son, Abdullah, says that I said to my father, that who is this guy that you're always making dua for? This Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i. So then he said to him that this is a man who has a lantern in the dunya. He is a source of knowledge. He is the scholar of scholars. Imam Shafi'i has this amazing legacy of knowledge and his journey for knowledge, how far he was willing to go. And today as we reflect over his story, I want us to think about what our journey for knowledge is. What's our purpose in this life? What relationship have we built? These people were masters in hadith and fiqh and adab and all the different subjects, usul, you know, principles of Islamic law. What relationship do we have with the uloom of the deen? Don't sell yourself short that I'm not cut out for this. How do you know if you're cut out for this or not if you haven't even tried? How would you know that? You may be the key to knowledge for a whole community. You would never know until you tried. Imam Shafi'i lived a very humble life and it was a righteous man that was connected to Allah, spent his time reading Qur'an. They say regarding him, in Ramadan, he would read the Qur'an. Listen carefully, because I'm not going to repeat this. And this is right. They would read, he would do 60 khatams of the Qur'an every Ramadan. 60 khatams. One in the day, one in the night. Per day. One time he was sitting with a sheikh and the sheikh said something. He said that Ijma'ul Ummah is a hujjah. This is a technical issue. So then he said to the, the sheikh that where in the Qur'an is this? That you say it, it's in the Qur'an? You say that it's a, it, Ijma'ul Ummah is a hujjah. So what's the proof for this? So that person looked at Imam Shafi'i, the sheikh, and he said that, I thought you were a smart guy. Instead of answering, he flipped it back on him. I thought you were smart. You should know. So Imam Shafi'i says, I read the whole Qur'an three times until finally I found the ayah. This is where he did this. He had such a relationship with the Quran. We're going to push to the last moments of Imam Shafi'i's life. His great student, Al Muzani, says that I came to visit my teacher, Imam Shafi'i, when he was in his final moments. And I asked him, How are you? So Imam Shafi'i said, I'm getting ready to leave the world about to leave all my companions and friends, heading towards the Akhirah. And then he read the last couplet of his life. 
وَإِن كُنْتُ يَا ذَا الْمَنِّ وَالْجُودِ مُجْرِمًا O Creator, to you I raise my concern. إِلَيْكَ إِلَاهَ الْخَلْقِ أَرْفَعُ رَغْبَتِي I raise my desire to you. وَإِن كُنْتُ And I was يَا ذَا الْمَنِّ وَالْجُودِ مُجْرِمًا I was a criminal. He's calling out to Allah, you were kind, you were generous, but I did wrong. جَعَلْتُ الرَّجَاءَ مِنِّي No. فَوَلَمَّا قَصَى قَلْبِي وَضَاقَتْ مَذَاهَبِي that when my heart became constricted and my life began to narrow down and as everything's becoming hard for me, I made my hope in your mercy the bridge to cross those difficult paths of life. My bridge in life was hope on me. My sins have become many. They present themselves as a great mountain. فَلَمَّا قَرَنْتُهُ بِعَفْوِكَ رَبِّي كَانَ عَفْوَكَ أَعْظَمًا But when I compared these mountains of sins to your mercy, my sins became so small I couldn't see them anymore. Because your rahmah is greater. فَمَا زِلْتَ ذَا عَفْوٍ عَنِ الذَّنْبِ لَمْ تَزَلْ And you remain forgiving, pardoning of us of our sins. تَجُودُ وَتَعْفُ مِنَّةً وَتَكَرُّمًا Being generous and pardoning out of kindness and nobleness. And I don't know where my outcome will be, whether I'll be in Jannah or the fire of hell. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to take inspiration from these great people and learn from their legacy. Their knowledge, their desire for knowledge, their sacrifice for knowledge, their legacy, their contribution, and the righteousness and piety they live with. And may Allah give us a noble transition from this dunya as well. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.